You're listening to Allied Health Podcast, talking all things Allied Health, with your hosts Danielle Whedon, physiotherapist, and Claire Jones, occupational therapist. Today we're joined by Julia Kiefer, an Australian-trained and experienced occupational therapist who has picked herself up and travelled to the UK for a working holiday. Welcome to Allied Health Podcast, Julia. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, whereabouts are you, Julia, exactly in the UK? So I'm in a town just outside of London called Guildford. Uh, it's about 30 to 40 minutes by train out of London. Fantastic. All right. Now, let's go um, back to the beginning. Um, can we start? Um, can you give us an overview of your OT career so far and why you decided to take a working holiday in the UK? Yeah, of course. So I started, I've kind of pivoted around a lot with my OT career. I started in a private, mostly pediatrics uh, job um, in the community. And from that, I worked for a little while and decided I wanted to sort of work more with adults. Uh, And when the pandemic hit, I wanted to work in person as opposed to being over telehealth, which is what that role was sort of providing the opportunity to do. So I decided to get a locum role in Shepparton in Victoria uh, and I worked in the transition care program there, going to people's houses and going into the hospitals and helping people with getting home from there. Uh, And then from that, I got a role with Alfred Health in um, Melbourne and I worked in a rotational position there for quite a while, getting uh, experience in sort of rehab uh, in sort of ortho, uh, elderly medicine, and also spinal rehab. And then I went over to the acute site and worked on the ortho trauma wards there for a little while before deciding to come to the UK. So, Julia, in is that a space of three years, roughly, that you've got paediatric experience, you've got community aged care experience, um, and then hospital acute and rehab experience? Yeah, so I graduated in 2018 and then I started work almost immediately. So and that ends up being just under four years, I think, total of working right. in Australia before coming over here. Yeah, so you've really tried a, a, a wide variety of OT. I have, yeah. I think uh, in my degree I didn't get a huge variety of things. Uh, I was kind of stuck in a, a certain areas with my placement so I wanted to really try a few things as a grade one and really understand where I liked and what I like to do yeah that that did set you up quite well to do locum work in the UK then in terms of having a broad range of experience and probably opening up a few areas of work you can work in over there as well and what was Julia what was your main driver for wanting to go to the UK and work Uh, I caught the travel bug really really young Uh, In high school, I sort of figured out that I loved to travel. And as soon as I found out that working overseas as an OT was sort of a realistic thing to do, I wanted to do that. So that was pretty much in uni. I kind of decided that's something I wanted to do. Uh, The plan was originally to get a bit of experience in Australia and then go over, but then the pandemic hit. So I decided to stay, obviously, in Australia, continue getting more experience. And then as soon as things sort of opened up, and looked like they were going to stay open, I started hitting the ground running with coming over here and I got over here um, properly in the UK in November of 2022. Yeah, 
it's a bit of a rite of passage for Aussie therapists, isn't it, as well? I'm so Definitely. great you can still work in your career, earning good money there and travelling once you hit the UK. Yeah, most certainly. I, I've known quite a few people who have already done it. A lot of people who I worked with had already done it and then a lot of people who I know are thinking of doing it or have sort of started that process already too. Yeah. So you um, mentioned you started working in November in the UK, but mm-hmm. prior to that you did some travel um, on the way there. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I started, I flew over from Australia in August. I wanted to catch the end of the summer here in Europe uh, before starting work. So I decided to uh, bounce around to different countries in Europe. I travelled through Croatia and the Balkan countries. I went down to Greece, to Italy, and then I went up through sort of Eastern Europe with Hungary and Czech and Austria, and then I came up to the UK and Ireland. So I really bounced around everywhere in all the different areas. Oh, sounds terrible, Julia. <laughs> it was a really horrible experience. <laughs> all, I, all I can think of is you leaving Melbourne in the depths of winter and heading to oh, Greece. Oh, yeah, it was absolutely miserable when I left Melbourne and then I came to Croatia and it was 35 degrees every day. It was yeah. beautiful. Only thing I will say is Croatia isn't as great with the air conditioning as it is in Victoria. <laughs> so I was a little bit hot from that perspective, but I wasn't complaining too much. It's better than winter. Exactly, exactly. Now, in terms of working in the UK, um, just a little bit about your experience with HCPC. Um the 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 application process of has of called uh, has of course recently changed from mm-hmm. a um a, a submitting a hard copy of your application to an online submission which process did you go through julia so i went through the paper submission route oh. i did it just before all of the electronic versions became available um so i put my application in a bit too early before for that to be an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so mine involved going and collecting all of my paper copies of things in and shipping them over to the UK and getting things processed. Um, so I did that in April of last year. And that was, I think it was almost exactly two weeks before they <laughs> opened up the online <laughs> submission. <Right. laughs> um, I have a friend who submitted hers about a month later online. So it was very close. Uh, in terms of when I submitted mine uh, and when the online applications opened up. But because of that, it takes a little bit of time to obviously get to the UK for them to process that, um, get that. So they received my application in May. Um, And then from there, I got my final confirmation of my registration in November. So it's quite a a lengthy process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's where the buffer of having those months of travelling sort of is a benefit, That's isn't it. it? You weren't sweating yeah. on your HCPC application coming through to start no. work. When I, I was originally sort of ballparking it, then maybe I'd tr- get my registration early November. It ended up being towards the very end of November. Mm-hmm. Um, so I luckily did have a good sort of amount of savings that I had allocated towards travelling that I was able to fall back on to right. go, okay, that's all right, I can still travel for an extra month and still enjoy myself and not feel like stressed about uh, having to start work while I'm waiting for my application. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, did, and did you travel over there on a youth mobility visa? I did, yeah. So I applied for that um, while I was in Victoria and then I 
started that youth mobility visa in November when I first entered the UK. Was that a quite a simple process to apply for? Um, it wasn't as complicated as the HCPC uh, process. <laughs> nothing is, Julia. <laughs> nothing is. <laughs> but it's, um, it, it is a little bit of something that you have to get your head around and know exactly what sort of things. And um, they ask for quite specific information, such as things like when you travelled to other countries over the past sort of X amount of years um, and certain sort of details. It's just sort of a process to get through that application. Uh, and then they you have to go in, into the city and do a biometric appointment. So that was something I didn't really know what it was until I started looking into it. Um, and so what they need is your photo and your fingerprints. Um, and then from that, they ship all of that information off to the UK with your passport or to the embassy. I'm not sure actually where they shipped it off, but they take your passport for a little while. <laughs> yeah. um, and then they send it back to you and you have to come and pick it up after a certain amount of time um so it it wouldn't I wasn't wouldn't say it's a difficult process but it just does take a little bit to get your head around um and it's a bit of an upfront cost too because in your uh youth mobility visa uh application um when you go and put it all through you have to also pay for a, a NHS surcharge um and that ends up being I think off the, it was about two thousand dollars so right. it's a sort of a big hit to the bank account sort of mm. very early on. Do you get that money back, Julia, or is that just a, no. that's a $2,000 charge to use the NHS while you're in the UK? Yeah, that's it. So you have, it's, um, I, I believe it's £490 per year you have to pay to essentially access the NHS while you're over here as a sort of non-citizen of the UK. Mm. Um, and so you pay per you have to pay both years you can't sort of choose to say I'm only going to be here for one year so I'll only pay for the one 490 pounds they make you pay for both and that ends up being roughly around the two thousand dollar mark and then there's the additional fee of the actual visa itself which is a little bit less I think that's about five hundred dollars but it's give or take a little bit for that so it ends up being about two and a half k all up when you first put in the application mm. So you arrive in the UK, um, you've done a fantastic couple of months of travel, more than a couple of months, um, and it's time to start working. Mm -hmm. So I guess where, what, what, did you, what did you decide in terms of, well, how did the process roll out of you getting your first um, locum in the UK? Um, but just taking one step back, um, I get often asked about, setting up a bank account and managing money while I'm in the UK. So maybe we'll start there um, and we'll talk about a little, little bit about accommodation and mean finding work. <laughs> yeah, definitely. With um, bank accounts and things like that, it's a bit of a tricky one because some banks you have to have a permanent address before coming in and having that proof of address and the few things they require that's quite tricky to get straight up. Um, so I started with having a WISE account uh, while I was traveling, which is a, sort of a travel debit card. And I was able to get money paid into that and use that as my card to start with. Uh, and so I've been sort of using that. It works quite well and it was good for travel as well. Uh, and then when so I you, finally so Julia, did, you get your you get your pay paid into to, to that yeah, account, right? That was able to, be, uh, because it's got essentially the equivalent of the uh, BSB and account numbers, slightly different over here, but 
I think because it's got that equivalent, you're able to pay into it. Right. Uh, so we've got, I, I use that um, for my pay. And then I, when I finally got here and did get a permanent address, I went and got a, I've got two accounts. I've got a Monzo account, which is one that's quite easy to use. You didn't need to do too many complicated things. I was able to apply for it online and I just had to have an address. I didn't actually have to provide too much proof of an address. Um, so it was just an address that I could have something shipped to. So if it ends up being a long-term hostel or a friend or a family member's house, I think that is also okay. Right. Uh, and then the same, I also got a Lloyd's account just because I like to, that's how I sort of sort my money out is have a few different accounts. So I got a Lloyd's as well. And that one was also the same. I didn't have to have too much, but you do have to have detailing on things like your pay and those sorts of um, money kind of information that you have to give them to. Right. And um, did accommodation come next in terms of or or were you looking for locum work that provided accommodation? Uh, So I actually found accommodation with the work that I found initially. So when I first got here, I talked to the recruitment agents and I asked about if there was a potential to get accommodation while I was here. When I worked in Victoria, I had a locum job that provided accommodation. So that was amazing because I didn't actually have to pay for it. Mm. So I got to save a lot. Um, So I was thinking maybe I could get something similar along those lines. Uh, They don't have the exact same sort of system here, uh, but they do have some hospitals that have accommodation attached. You still do have to pay for it like a normal rent, though. I wouldn't say it's a particularly sort of more affordable rent, Mm -hmm. um, but it does make it much more convenient to get uh, accommodation set up in a convenient location for where you're going to be working. So I work work literally across the road from where I'm living. Uh, So I just walk to work every day and I didn't have to go through the trouble of um, applying for uh, rentals and trying to have to pay a big upfront deposit, things like that. So that made it a lot more convenient. Mm-hmm. And we have heard it's dif- it can be a little bit difficult to find accommodation in London especially. Um, but saying that, do you want to tell our listeners whereabouts you are, exactly you are and what sort of work you're yes. doing in your first local role? Yeah, definitely. Um, on the accommodation, it's definitely a tricky one in London itself. But I'm living just outside of London. I'm in Guildford, which is a sort of small town, not that small, but smallish town, uh, about 30 minutes to 30 to 40 minutes by train outside of London. So it's pretty convenient to get in and out of London. You can get in there uh, for the day or for a little bit. I went in actually uh, the other day just in the evening to catch up with somebody and then came back the same night. Um, And so it's very manageable. People commute from Guildford to go into London. So it's a really nice spot. I'm working at one of the hospitals here in a um, orthopaedic sort of acute role. So I started working there um, and I picked sort of, I asked to work in that kind of area because it's something I'm familiar with and is fresh in my mind. And I felt like that was a good way to start because then I could learn the things I'm not familiar with because it's the NHS and there's lots of different systems in place here to Australia. So I was like, I'll pick the area of work I know and then I can learn all the other bits that I don't know rather than try and be in a completely different area that I don't know at all. Mm. How long? How long? Is it? Is it a rolling locum, locum roll? Yeah, it's ongoing. So there's no end contract date, but there are also lots of roles where there are sort of set contract links as well 
Yeah. And does that tie in, probably go back to accommodation briefly, but does that tie in, are you, do you have to, can you commit week to week on the hospital um, accommodation or are you committed longer term? This one, I think technically I'd have to read the contract in a bit more detail, but it's technically you are meant to be giving a month's notice to leave this place like a typical rental. But I believe there is a clause in it that if you prove you're a locum, you can provide less notice for that. So I haven't sort of explored that because that's not something I'm figuring out just yet. But I do believe you can provide less notice uh, if need be as a locum. But that could be different from place to place depending on where you're staying. Yeah. Are you working alongside other Aussie therapists or Kiwi or South African therapists in locum roles as well? Sorry, the um, end of your question just cut off. I was just wondering if you're working alongside many other locums like yourself from from Australia or New Zealand or South Africa. Uh, In the OT team, it's just me as the only Aussie. Um, But I am working, I was working alongside a New Zealand physio for a little while. Um, There is now an Australian physio on the team. So we're sort of everywhere, I think, in terms of. (laughs) where we are um there's definitely lots of Aussies New Zealanders South Africans um everywhere sort of around the UK it seems like uh and so yeah definitely you hear the accent pretty regularly yeah was it difficult to secure did you have a lot of options for roles in your first locum role uh I'd say overall locum roles there definitely is a lot of options I've there's a lot of flexibility because I wanted to try and find somewhere where accommodation was attached to the role I did have a bit more of a limited options around that. So in London, that's not really something that uh, seems to be an option, but outside in sort of more rural areas, it's a little bit more common. Um, but again, it does limit the roles, but I still did have a, my choice of a couple different ones. Mm. Julia, how was it starting in a locum role? Like were you, um, as a locum, um, joining a department that you don't know in another country, in another system, was it nerve-wracking? Yeah, it's quite intimidating to start with, particularly uh, just being like I don't really know how the NHS works in great detail. I, like you can kind of read up on it, but you don't really figure it out until you're in in it. Um, and then there's lots of things like the um, discharge services and funding bodies and all of those sides of things that it's a lot to get your head around. Um, and so that all is quite intimidating to figure out. Uh, but everyone here was super welcoming and happy to answer questions when I did start up working here. So that was really helpful. I think they're just excited to have people working and helping out. <laughs> and um, do you attend things like staff meetings and professional development as a locum? Uh, I have been, yeah. So this particular hospital does a staff meeting every Wednesday uh, at lunchtime. So I'm there eating lunch anyway. So I'm there for the ride with the staff meeting but they did sort of specifically say for me to come along for that uh, and in that they typically do a little bit of um uh sorry they do a little bit of skill building in different areas and sort of professional development too so right. I've been welcomed into participating in that as well yeah fantastic and how have you found working as a locum in the UK um has it been a very different experience to working as a as a permanent or a long term contract contractor um, contracting OT in Australia? Uh, yeah, it's. I would say it's fairly similar to working as a locum in Australia. The sort of 
terms and ways the job works is pretty similar, but as a permanent role compared to a locum, the biggest differences are around leave and pay. Um, so you're paid on an hourly wage. You have to put your timesheet in every single week to say this is the exact hours I worked. Um, if you are sick one day, you don't get paid for those hours. Um, or if you want to take some leave, you don't get paid. But some of the perks of that is you can just say, I'm actually not available for this week. Um, and you can go on holidays or go yeah. somewhere else. You have a lot more flexibility and you also have flexibility in terms of your notice periods. And you can say, actually, this place isn't working for me. I'm going to try somewhere else. Um, so those are sort of more perks, whereas obviously in a permanent position, it's uh, a lot harder to just tap out of that place. You have to sort of put your notices in and annual leave is you're limited to your annual leave and how long you can take based yeah. on the availability for the rest of the staff as well. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's great that you've got an ongoing locum that you can then pick and choose. And I remember when I was a physio over there years ago, I was the same. I had an ongoing locum for about nine months and it was great. I could just for two weeks say I'm not available and I'd ship off to Greece or to France or something like that. That's it. So actually earlier this month, oh, not this month, sorry, earlier in February, I went back to Australia for two weeks to visit some family and friends. Uh, and that was me staying. I, I told them at the start because I had already planned to come back in February. I told them I won't be available for these two weeks. And it was pretty much that conversation was, yep, yeah, okay. Yeah. You won't work those two weeks and you're welcome to come back afterwards. And I did come back and that was no issue. Yeah, that's great. And you're four years out of uni roughly, is that right? Yeah, yeah. roughly. You, what level are you working at as a locum? I'm working as a band six. So roughly equivalent to a grade two-ish, um, but they sort of the goalposts are a little bit shifted here. They seem to start band sixes a little bit earlier than uh, grade twos in Australia, but I think it's very variable for everyone. But, yeah, I'm working as a band six. So, Julia, without talking specifically about how much you're actually getting paid, are you earning enough to live a good life over there? I'd say so, yeah. I'm able to put a bit of money away to allocate to further travels down the line. Um, but it's it's definitely expensive, even outside of London, uh, in certain areas in terms of rental and things like that. You have to take that into account when you're looking at wages and where you're at. But the salary I'm on, I'm able to sort of balance that with the rent that I'm on and how much groceries cost and things like that. Mm. And, are you, and are you saving enough to... To, to do some more travel? Yeah, I'm able to put a bit of money away for saving for more travel um, and that it helped. I was able to, I found out there was a little bit of uh, wiggle room in terms of negotiating wages as well when I came here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so initially when I, for this role particularly, they offered me a bit of a lower wage, which I felt was a little bit too low um, for the experience I had and for it being a locum role. And so they were actually able to bump that up a little bit for me. So I was able to bring it a bit higher and I found that helped in making that little bit of extra amount to be able to save. Yeah, that's a, that's a good piece of advice there. Mm. And what's been a highlight so far? Um, overall, the travel and just being able to easily get places from here has been a massive highlight. Uh, I went to from London to Dublin on a return flight for £20, uh, <laughs> which was insane. So that's definitely a massive highlight and just being able to explore a new country and get a bit of an understanding of a different area is really fun and very cool. Mm. And what about the biggest challenge, Julia? What's What's been 
tough. The biggest challenge is probably uh, setting yourself up in a place uh, where you don't necessarily have the same support network that you have back at home. Um, so I think that's for anyone who's moving countries or even moving cities, uh, you set up, you don't have necessarily the same group of friends or the same family members who are close by, mm. particularly with the time differences here. It is very opposite. So I'm often calling people very late at night or very early in the morning um, and them as well. So it, you just have to be a little bit more effortful in terms of when are you going to catch up with people to try and stay in touch. Um, and then also the I came in right at in late November, December, oh, I started working, winter. which is when, the, <laughs> when winter hits. And so I was working eight till four and the sun was setting after I started work. And uh, sorry, it was uh, rising after I started work and then setting after I, uh, before I finished work. So some at one point it was pretty much setting at 3.30 in the afternoon, which <laughs> yeah, blew this- my mind completely. <laughs> Yeah, those light hours are, are, are so different to here in Australia, aren't they? It's so different. Um, it's getting much better now, though. It's um, now we've just finished winter time. It's coming out to a much more normal hour. The sun is still out when I'm finishing work, which yeah. is nice. And then you get the benefits in summer of super long days as well. That's it. I'm looking forward to experiencing that. People have said they the sun doesn't really set till like 10 p.m. or so, which I'm very look, much looking forward to seeing that and being able to hang out and about outside while it's still nice and hopefully a bit warm and sunny. Yeah. And, you, and you've got Europe on your doorstep, Julia. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I will definitely be using this, um, like Ryanair and EasyJet and Wizz Air, all of those sort of very cheap European carriers have all sorts of cheap deals to fly and pretty much all over Europe yeah head away for the weekend yeah that's it I'm going uh over the Easter weekend up to Edinburgh so flying up there which will be nice first time in Scotland so that's a nice one to go up to speaking of long um long days I remember being the far north of Scotland in Ullapool when I was up there working as a physio locum um I was working in London as a locum but I went up and it was midnight and it was still light because it was so wow I remember being blown away by that as well that's crazy yeah I couldn't imagine it being still light at midnight so definitely a cool thing to experience so what have you got you've mentioned Easter but what have you got planned for the next few months more travel and more locum work or a mix of both definitely a mix of both so I'm starting so uh, April is my next sort of big travel trip and then in May I'm going to Italy and catching up with some family who's also going to be in Italy at the time so I'm going for a week then Um, And then in June, at the very end of June, I'm planning on going and doing a big block of travel in the summertime. Um, So that's sort of the plans at the moment. And then in between those, I'm planning on working and doing locums here. Uh, And then I'll have a bit of a proper break over the summer, the European summer, travel around when it's nice and warm. And then I'll come back to working as a locum a bit later in the year again, once it cools down again. Mm. Sounds fantastic, Julia. Um, now, just to finish up, is a working holiday in the UK something that you'd recommend to other therapists? I think so, yeah. It's been a great experience so far. I'd say I'm very much just starting it out um, and it definitely throws you out of your comfort zone, particularly from the work side. Um, but so far it's been fun and it's been a good adventure and as I think the main thing is to utilise being so close to different countries and different cultures and definitely exploring all of that while you've got the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. 
Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Julia. Thank you so thank much you. for sharing your experience to date as a an Aussie working in the UK. Um, and we'll stay in touch. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Julia. If you're an allied health professional keen to work in the UK, please get in touch with us, uk at mediarecruit.com or 0396963375. We're here to assist you with all the necessary preparations and to secure your great locum roles across the UK. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Allied Health Podcast. In the show's notes, you'll find links to our free recruitment resources, job opportunities and healthcare marketplace insights. To listen to new episodes, please subscribe via Apple, Google or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. And if you've enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star rating and review and be sure to tell your therapy colleagues and friends to tune in. Music.